Proverbs 30, verses 1 through 9. The words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle. The man declared, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This is God's word. Let's ask God to add his blessing to this reading of his word. Will you pray with me? O Lord, open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your law. And by your spirit, give us faith to rest upon these words so that we will not be hearers only, but doers as well. Help me to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's a pleasure to be with you again and to be welcomed so warmly by not being introduced. That's a sign, <clears throat> that's a sign of family. And, uh, and uh, it's been about a year, and it's great to see that Seth was able to get back and, and, uh, uh, and have another, uh, uh, just an extra day of... Uh, of Sabbath before returning to his labors, and I'm so grateful um, for the good reports and the, the, the God's blessing upon you over this past year. Some of you have been productive and fruitful during the last year, um, and none of you looks any older. Uh, um, I read it just like you said, Glenn. Where are you? This is the way it goes down in my house. I, I, I cook pretty regularly as part of our household, and I'll need an ingredient, and it's in, it's in the cupboard. Now, the cupboard to me is like my tool chest is to my wife. And so I'm looking for, I don't know, the yellow rice. And I know before I ask, I should look for it first, because if I'm cooking, it's usually because my wife's doing something. And so I'll stand and look at the cupboard, and um, if it's not in the front, I'll start looking behind, and I'll try to reason to which shelf the rice would be on. And after a while, 30 seconds at least, I'll finally call out to my wife, Honey, where's the yellow rice? And she said, Have you looked? So we've been through this before. Have you looked? Yes, I've looked. Well, it should be on the second shelf. I've looked there. And all the while, in my mind, I'm saying, 
please don't let me be staring right at it. <laughs> and finally, she'll come in from whatever she's doing. She'll walk in. She'll pick the yellow rice off the second shelf, right from the front, and hand it to me. And we will now be able to move on with preparing dinner. How many of you had that experience there? You're looking for something that's right in front of you, and you just can't see it. Well, <clears throat> Agur, one of the sages of the Proverbs, tells us that wisdom is exactly that way. And um, when I was with you over a year ago, we looked at Proverbs on a few occasions. I know my colleague Mark Futato spoke of the posture of wisdom back in November. So I thought it was timely, especially as we begin a year, to come to the end of Proverbs, almost the end, physically, but more importantly, the end, that is the goal, what is the purpose of God's wisdom? And we find it here in Agur's words. And at first, his words sound like a counsel of despair, but in the end, it will be a, a counsel of wisdom. Because what he's going to teach us is that that, 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 that because wisdom is a masterful skill, and I'll talk about more about that, but because wisdom is a masterful skill, we have to seek it from the masterful creator himself. Because God is the masterful creator, that's the only place where we're going to find masterful skill in living life. So let's look and see how Agur does this, how he explains this, how he brings this out. And the first thing I want you to notice from these verses we read is the futile search for wisdom. Agur raises the white flag. How does he do that in verses 1 through 3? The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. From what? Surely I am too stupid to be a man. Now the word translated stupid here actually is normally translated beastly. And what Agur is saying uh, is that he, and, and this is a distinction that crosses the whole Bible, when the people are most like people, they're the most like God, but when they're the least like God, they're most like animals. Remember Paul says um, that when we use our Christian liberty um, wrongly, we bite and devour one another. When Nebuchadnezzar uh, was prideful, he became like a grazing cow. And so... Uh, Agur is saying, surely I am too beastly to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. That is, in his search for wisdom, he hasn't even found the wisdom of mankind, let alone divine wisdom. Verse 3, I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Agur is, as I said, running up the white flag. He's saying there's a a search for wisdom that is fruitless, that is vain. Now, remember what wisdom is, if you recall from previous times. Wisdom is um, not just knowledge, but it's a knowledge that is revealed by God, going back to chapter 1. It is a knowledge that is revealed by God to those who have the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. But, but wisdom is more than just knowledge in the sense that it is skillfulness. It's, it's not just knowing facts about the world or facts about God even, but, but how to use those facts. They're like, wisdom is more than the tools in the toolbox of life. Wisdom is the skill to know how to use those tools and which tools are the right tools. Remember, answer a fool not according to his folly, but 
Answer a fool according to his folly. Well, which is it? Well, it depends. You have to have skill to know. And, but there's a goal of that, skillfulness, that skillful living. It is to know the kind of life that God offers us out of relationship with him. Think of Psalm 1. The one who, uh, who, who, who uh, loves the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night, is going to be a tree planted by, like a tree planted by water that's going to be a, a, not only a, a, a fruit-bearing tree that has life, but the way that Proverbs takes it, that, that, that we become trees of life that give life. So the person who has wisdom has a share in the life of God, but it also becomes a life-giving person to others. And so Agur, at the end of the book, and you would have thought it would save people a lot of time if you'd written at this beginning of Proverbs, I can't find wisdom. It's been fruitless, this search. But that's, that's not a counsel of despair. That's actually a, an indicator of where it can be found. See, Agur doesn't stop there. But he just says simply that on my own, and any of us on our own, cannot unlock the key to a flourishing way of life. And we try. Uh, we look around with our heads down, like uh, animals look at the ground for their food. I, I don't know if you know this, it's a downside of uh, environmental, environmentally sens environmental sensitivity. There are a lot of eagles that die from windmills. Did you know that? I'm sorry, kids. I hope I'm not uh, disturbing you. But uh, you know, there's a cost, if you will, of uh, green power. And the reason eagles die for windmills is they never learn to look up. Because their whole life is oriented by looking down and finding their food on the ground. And so they fly into windmills. Poof. I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say more about that. But... <laughs> And by the way, Proverbs talks about animals all the time. Kids, if you want to have some fun, make your, parents read, make your parents read you the book of Proverbs, and whenever an animal comes up, stop and circle it and talk about it. Uh, the rest of chapter 30 is rich in animal imagery. But um, the, the point here is that uh, we, we are all, every human being is on a search to make life work. And, uh, and, and, and there's a dead end that is the dead end of everyone who doesn't look up. Or, or to put it differently, the Dr. Phil question, right? What's the Dr. Phil question? How's that working for you? And we might have success with insight or expertise or abilities in one area or another, but, but if we look around, and especially in the social realm, because wisdom is about relating to other people, all we have to do is look behind us, the wreckage of relationships and people, and, and even to the extent that we might isolate ourselves so we don't have to deal with other people, that's a sign of wreckage. And so the best place to find the right answer is to stop looking where there's the wrong answer. And that's the futility that Agur begins uh, by, 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 with, with speaking of. And so there's a futile search for wisdom, but then Agur says, here's the fount or font, or source of true wisdom in verses 4 through 6. It's the masterful creator. The masterful creator is a source of all wisdom. Look at verses 4 through 6. Who has ascended to heaven 
and come down. You see, that's where you have to go to get wisdom. You have to go to heaven and get it, but who's gone up there and come down? But then he, he presses the question further. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. And now we have the key. Agur is now directing his words toward God. He has begun by speaking to us, but now he ends these verses speaking to the Lord. These these verses, especially verse 4, should remind you of another part of the Bible. And that is another wisdom book of the Bible, which is the book of Job, yes. Remember, all Job's friends come to him to explain all of his problems. And usually their, their explanation is, you're the problem, Job. <laughs> and we, but we know by God's grace from the very beginning of Job that Job's not the problem. Except in the sense that Satan has come to accuse him before the Lord. And with his friend's unhelpful advice, Job finally turns to the Lord and the Lord finally answers him. And he says things like, where were you when I pulled Leviathan out with a fish hook? Where were you when I said to the waters, this far you will go and no farther? You th- think of that. God is the one who not only created the matter and the order of the universe, but he did it with such skill that it's the skill of a builder that's described in Job. And even in Proverbs 8, wisdom the master builder is a way of describing God's work of creation. And God says, I have, I have two pugs. If you ever get one, get two. They're small. And they are the least trained dogs I've ever known. And I admire and even envy those people who can set a kibble on their nose of their dog and that dog will just sit there. I don't know why you do that, but anyway, I admire that because when we have guests over and, and when dogs walk by and our house, and it's embarrassing. Our postman, Alex, every day has to experience the wrath of pugs charging our front door. They're untrained to my shame. You see, what God is saying about the whole created world is he is a master trainer. The world does exactly what he says. This is happening in Genesis 1. He put, the, he, he put, he, he put the, the lights in the sky to rule the day, and he put the great fish in the sea to rule the sea, and he created the land, and he put man upon the earth to rule the land. But all this is under God's order. We sang about it today in our hymns, and our prayers, we prayed it. So God is the master builder. He is the one who has the secrets of the universe. The secrets that the greatest scientists and astrophysicists and biochemists and cognitive scientists, the secrets that they have only glimpsed in slivers. Because not only he created the world, but he designed the way the world goes. Uh, Think think of it this way. if you've ever played baseball or watched people play baseball, there are certain rules. When I was in my first little league game, I hit the ball and I ran to third base as fast as I could. <laughs> I was left-handed. 
world was just different. Uh, but I learned, I learned over time there are rules about how many balls and strikes and foul lines and bases and all those kind of things. But imagine somebody who knows the rules of baseball extremely well walking to Fenway Park in Boston. Now, many of you might not know about Fenway Park, but normally a baseball field is uh, symmetrical in terms of the distances of, of the field from right to left. But at Fenway Park, there is this thing called the Green Monster. And it is a wall, and somebody here is going to know how high it is, so I'm not going to try to guess, but it's probably at least 50 feet. And it's short. And um, it baits the zealous hitter to try to hit the ball over the wall because it's so much nearer, but it's so much higher, it makes it uniquely challenging. You see, if, if, if you play for the Boston Red Sox, left field, you have an advantage over the people who only play there every once in a while because you not only understand the rules of the game, but you understand the place where it's played. And that's what, that's what Agur is bringing out here, that the key to wisdom is not just in learning from God the rules of the game, but understanding the place where life is played, where life is lived, and the only place, the only, the only person who has comprehensive knowledge, the only person who has exhaustive, comprehensive knowledge of the world and people and things is the Creator. And Agur has realized that. He has been to the school of Ecclesiastes that says, as much as I watch what's going on around me, Unless I open the light of heaven on life, it just doesn't make sense. And so the search for wisdom begins with appealing to God as a masterful creator. Now there's a little intriguing statement here in verse 4. What is his name and what is his son's name? Some of you might have noticed that. Uh, Hebrew poetry routinely says the same thing in different terms or sort of similar terms. And it may just be a way of repeating, like, who, who, is, who is the masterful creator and what is his son's name? Uh, not necessarily meaning two different people. Or it could be a reference to the wise king of Israel, Solomon, in whose, in whose cloak the whole book of Proverbs is wrapped. Because the king was the consummate sage, or was supposed to be the consummate sage, and he was a source of helping the nation of God's people know what true wisdom was, so perhaps that is what is meant here. Uh, but we see later on in uh, John's gospel how John, or maybe say Jesus himself, picks up on this. Uh, John chapter 3 is very well known. John 3.16, of course, is one of the most well-known verses in the whole Bible. You can see it at any NBA game being held on a sign uh, behind one basket or another. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should have eternal life. But don't rush to John 3.16 without going through John 1-15. through 15. Jesus there is going to Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel. And they begin, and he goes to him, or 
actually Nicodemus comes to him, but Nicodemus comes to him in the dark, not to be seen by the other teachers of Israel. And they get in this conversation about being born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can somebody be born again? Can they reenter their mother's womb? And Jesus here quotes Proverbs 30, verse 4. He says, who has ascended to heaven except the Son of Man? Here's what Jesus is saying, and this is why for us as Christians, wisdom is not just as important, but even more profoundly important than for the Old Testament saints. We see from beginning of verse 4 that the only one who can get the wisdom of God the true wisdom that opens life, that's the key to life, the only person who can get that is the one who can go up to heaven to get it. But you can't go up to heaven unless you first come down from heaven. And Jesus is saying, I am the true sage. I am the wise man. I have come from where the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the masterful creator is. And I've come to bring life To the world, you see, the life that John's gospel talks about is not just a ticket punched for heaven. The life which John's gospel talks about is not just how to get out of this world into heaven, but it's how to bring the life of heaven down to the world. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That's wisdom language in John's gospel. And we could say more about that in a moment. But you see, ultimately, the answer of God to Agur's question here is, I in the Son have come to earth and brought the wisdom of God to the earth. And that's because God is the masterful creator, the word which was in the beginning, without which the world was not made, nothing in the world was made apart from the living word, that living word has become flesh and dwelt among us. So if you understand the key to life, if you understand the way of flourishing in the world, the way that only comes from the master for creator, God has given it to us in his son. This is why in the opening chapter of Colossians, Jesus is spoken of as the firstborn of all creation and the one in whom everything holds together. The font of true wisdom is the Lord. You won't find wisdom by looking anywhere else, but you will, by God's grace, find it in the Son who has revealed the life and the wisdom of God. What does that do for us? Well, you remember when things were getting tough with Jesus' disciples, he turned to his inner core and said, would you leave me also? And the answer they gave was, where else can we go? You alone have words of life. And they weren't just talking about being able to go to heaven when they die. So I think I th- this is really the most practical thing I can think of about these verses. It, it might not strike you as the same right off. But as Christians, we sometimes focus so much on the death of Jesus and the payment for our sins, which is very important. There's nothing else if there's not that that we ignore God as creator. That we, we see him as outside and beyond and uninvolved with creation. He's just plucking souls off planet Earth. 
You see, what, what we're finding here is that Christ came to redeem the world so that he might reconcile the world to God. That's where Colossians 1 ends up going. He's not just the firstborn of all creation, but he's the firstborn from the dead. And he's bringing creation back into harmony with God because that's where life is found for us, is in harmony with God, with God's purposes and doing God's ways and learning the rules of the road. Skillful living comes not from just knowing God's wrongs and rights. Those are important. But skillful living, wisdom, is found in knowing how to take the wrongs and rights, the rules of the road, and applying them. Think of this. If you went to take a driver's test, a driving test, but you had only studied the book, probably wouldn't go very well. Might not have gone well with some of you anyway. My mother at 94... Took her the third time. Um, that's a story in itself. Um, but they were all patient and, and got her through it. Um, but it is possible to do back-to-back-to-back driving tests if you've got enough people working at the office there. Um, but it's, it does no good to know the rules of the road if you don't know how to drive. And see, that's, that's what wisdom is. It's understanding what are the rights and the wrongs, the commands and the prohibitions that Scripture teaches us, and being able to skillfully apply them so that we do things like disadvantage ourselves to the advantage of other people. Because the Lord is the masterful creator. It is his domain. He is the Lord of creation. And one thing, and this may be particularly for you parents, one thing I see happening to Christian children as they grow and mature at high school and go off to college and so forth, we're losing them at an unprecedented rate in my lifetime. And I think one of the reasons we're losing them is we've only taught them the rules of the road. We haven't taught them skillful living. And, and part of the reason is this. Part of the reason is that the world is changing so fast that it's hard to figure out what's going on. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, we had this coach who was really old then and, and kind of quirky, and who would be coaching freshman basketball if they could do something else anyway. But I learned a lot of wisdom from him. We went off to play an away game at a little Cracker Box gym somewhere, one of those Cracker Box gyms where the two halves of the basketball floor overlapped. Some of you have remembered those from times past. And we got there, and we started wanting to shoot right away, and he, them. he made us dribble around all over the floor and figure out where the dead spots were. Because he grew up in an era where sometimes there was a post on the basketball floor, <laughs> and if you know what a pick is in basketball, you can run a pick past a post, a real post, a literal wood post, and, uh, and, and you could use dead spots on the floor if you could, on defense, herd a dribbler toward a dead spot or something like that. You see, he understood that you have to understand the field, just like Fenway Park, you have to understand the place, not just the principles. And so one of the things that's tough about teaching and parting wisdom, whether it's in families, parents teaching children, or whether it's in the church where the fathers and the mothers of the church train and teach the younger ones, is that the world is different every six and a half years. And so this requires that wise, as the proverb says, the wise seek wisdom. 
Proverbs says that the wise seek wisdom. In other words, once you become wise, you don't stop learning. You don't stop studying. You don't stop striving to know out of the fear of the Lord how the world works. And so the challenge is for every generation, not just the young man at chapter 1 speaks about who's naive and gullible, as he's mentioned in chapter 11, but the wise will continue to seek wisdom. And it will be through the recognition of the futility of our own search of wisdom and the recognition that God is the true fount of wisdom as the masterful creator. Agur then arrives at a point of um, equilibrium, or shall we say a point of peace and contentment. Look at verses 7 through 10, because we see Agur now pray. And he prays a prayer of, just to keep the F's going, a prayer of finitude, or a prayer for a bounded life. Look at what he says, verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And you will recognize these words, if you haven't already, when I mention it, you'll recognize these words are the basis for the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't just pull that one out of his hat, his inspired, infallible, inerrant hat, but he pulled it out of Proverbs chapter 30. Give us this day our daily bread. What is in that prayer in the Lord's, that petition in the Lord's Prayer? It's saying, God, give me enough so that I won't be tempted to steal. But don't give me too much, lest I be full and deny you. Now, that is a challenging prayer. But it is a wise prayer. Why is it a wise prayer? It recognizes that we are not the end of creation, but that God is. It recognizes that all of us are a wheel within a wheel. That is, the world turns around us and we're a cog in that world and no person is an island. That the cult of the individual is a myth made by the idolatry of continual conquest and consumption. That power has its purpose but power has its perils. That all of the things we spend our life striving to gather can become our enemies within our gates. Remember the Israelites in the wilderness when they were dissatisfied with bread from heaven? We would never do that. We would be happy and content every day to eat manna but they weren't. And so God gave them what they wanted. And they died with a quail between their teeth. Because you see, it was their appetites that were going to kill them. I, I say this somewhat sensitively. I come from a part of the country where buffet is a verb. 
And I have distant relatives. If they see a golden corral, they say, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's more, than just, <laughs> it's more than just about food, isn't it? It's about, it's about, it's about building bigger barns when our life is required of us this very night. It's about wanting more than the Lord or wanting more than he would give us. Because if you have more than God would give you, you have less. Because you don't have the Lord. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it is also its end its goal, its purpose. The quest begins with desiring the Lord and the quest is completed by finding the Lord. And this this is where Paul especially takes us, James as well. In fact, every book of the New Testament deeply dips of the well of wisdom. But in the book of Colossians, Paul presents Jesus as the wisdom of God, who is not only the masterful creator, but he's the merciful redeemer, who's bringing together heaven and earth so that we won't be sucked back into legalistic ways of the Old Testament law, and so we won't be sucked out into the idolatrous ways of the world but rather that we would, to use a phrase from elsewhere in Paul, that we would boast in one thing and one thing alone. Because to have that is to have beyond anything else, and to have anything else as our boast is to have nothing. Paul says, if anyone boasts, let him boast in this, that he knows the Lord. And... God has graciously revealed himself in the sage of sages who not only went to heaven to get the wisdom of God, but who had the credentials as the one who first descended. His ways are foolishness to the world because the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, Christ, the crucified one, is the wisdom of God. And therefore, Christ can call us to deprive ourselves, to lay down our lives, to take up the cross and follow him so that in the end we will find his resurrection life. Both in eternity, but now in the present world. The wisdom of God, the blessing of walking by faith. If you you have known the intense and rich joy of walking by faith with all of its challenges, but yet all of its blessings, if you haven't known that experience, talk to a wise saint that you know and say, what's it like to follow the Lord, to know his hand on your life through little and plenty? Tell me what kind of life it is, because I'm with Agur at the beginning of the quest, and I need a way, a path to find the bounded life, the blessing of the bounded life, which Jesus not only exemplified, but though he was rich, yet through his poverty, he has enriched us. May God 
add his blessing to this word as we seek the wisdom of God in Christ. Let's pray. O Lord, we would have prevented your son from taking to himself a soul and a body. We would have, like your apostle, pled with him not to go to the cross. We would, with his company in the days of his burial, have despaired. But God, we praise you that you have raised your son as the beginning of the first fruits of the new creation, and that through his teaching and his example, we may live that resurrection life in this world as well as in the world to come. Lord, as you have exposed our hearts and shown that our desires are set not on the things above but on the things below, we ask you in your gentle grace to turn our desires and therefore our lives toward you and your riches that are found in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.